Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. Please join me in welcoming and thanking new patrons. Courtney Sylvester, Benjamin Reese, and the faceless old woman who secretly lives in your home. First of all, that's not a secret. You cackle in your sleep. Also, why do you think I keep accidentally dropping chicken feet all over the floor by the crawl space? I mean, I'm fine with you staying, but let's call it what it is. All of our patrons get immediate access to all Sunday and Wednesday productions early and commercial free. The reward tiers go up from there to include instant access to over 500 stories and counting, not to mention the four new stories added every week. There are also local merch tiers whose proceeds go to Suicide Prevention Charity. And if you sign up for the yearly membership, you get 12 months for the price of 11 as a special thanks. To see how you can support the podcast and get rewarded, and for your rewards have an impact on others, please check out the donation tiers at patreon.com creepypod. And a quick thing, after my mentioning last week about the next phase of my life, I received some concerned messages about my ending the show. No, sorry about that. I just meant not having to pretend like I was interested during Zoom calls at my day job. The creepy will go on for as long as I can make it happen. No. This is Creepy. A podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous, chilling, and disturbing creepypastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy Presents The Meat Man Written by Arudius. It started as most things do, with my boredom. I was surfing around on YouTube looking for funny videos or scary videos when I stumbled across something that caught my interest. It was run by a user who went by the Meat Man, and it involved stop-motion footage using some very disturbing puppets. The thing that honestly caught my eye first was the thumbnail. It was a figure that appeared to be crafted entirely out of ground meat. I remember seeing the model and lifting an eyebrow as I took in what I was seeing. Now, when I tell you that the models were grotesque, I don't mean that they were ugly or badly made. They were very well put together and the amount of detail that had gone into them was astonishing. These meat puppets had hair and clothes and facial features that had all been meticulously crafted to the point of being a little uncanny. I would have almost expected them to blink or move on their own, and they seemed too lifelike for the medium. The episode I found was episode 5, and as I watched it, I quickly began to realize that this was no normal bit of YouTube content. Episode 5 involved three characters. Lisa, Steve, and Michael, as they prepared for the arrival of a fourth character, Dawn. The background music was jangly and discordant, 
somewhere between a calliope and a merry-go-round, and it often made the voices hard to hear. The characters were cleaning up the house, which was mostly a sheet of paper with windows drawn near the ceiling and some furniture crafted from modeling clay. As they cleaned, a voice told us how Lisa was being lazy and expecting Michael and Steve to do the majority of the work. I remember thinking this was odd, because her character moved and dusted and tidied at least as much as the others, and they seemed to be working well together. After a few minutes of herky-jerky cleaning, a hand came down from the ceiling and congratulated Steve and Michael on a job well done. It then pointed a pudgy finger at Lisa and scolded her for being so lazy. The voice said that Lisa would not be allowed to join the party later, since she hadn't helped. As Michael and Steve walked off stage, Lisa's character curled into a ball as loud party music played in the background. I remember feeling bad as the last frame sat frozen in place, the camera zooming in on a prostrate Lisa as she sat hunkered against the wall. Though I couldn't hear anything over the loud party music, I could see the small figure shaking a little and thought she might be crying. What the hell was this? And why did it suddenly make me feel almost voyeuristic for watching the suffering of this lumpy, not person? After that, my morbid curiosity was hooked. I went to the attached channel and saw that he'd had about 10 videos up, all added within the last month or two. His channel was small, only about 80 subscribers, and they were all in that style of stop motion where he used the figure's grotesqueness to his advantage. I found the first episode, Friendship, and decided to watch it. The video was about Lisa, the meat puppet from before, and how she was sad and lonely all by herself. The puppet mostly sat in the same familiar position, bent over and appearing to sob. Suddenly, two other familiar puppets, Steve and Michael, came into the scene, and Lisa looked up and seemed happy to see them. The pudgy hand whom she called Father, said he had seen that she was lonely and had gotten her some friends so she wouldn't cry so much. The hand stroked her delicate hair, and it seemed to be much nicer to her now than it had been in the previous episode I'd watched. The three hugged and said they'd be friends forever. Then the episode ended and the scream went black. It had lasted less than five minutes, all told, but it still made me feel strange and put off. Those puppets were so odd-looking, and I just couldn't shake the feeling that there was something not right about them. And I was also hooked and immediately loaded up the second video. It was like a train wreck, and I needed to see how it came out no matter what the carnage looked like. The next two episodes were pretty similar to what I'd come to expect. They were called Cohabitation and Family and followed the lives of Lisa and her new roommates. They set up some furniture and had some getting-to-know-you chatter as wonky music played in the background, making their words hard to hear sometimes. It was a typical stop-motion fair, but there were odd refrains sometimes in the middle of the stop-motion. During one in particular, the boys, Steve and Michael, were talking with Lisa about what to make for dinner. The stop-motion abruptly cut, and you could see five or six seconds of the models just standing as a loud sobbing came from the background. Amidst that sobbing, there was a soft but angry voice trying to quiet the crying. 
I had to rewind it a few times in order to catch it. And I remember wondering if this was some sort of artistic film or something. Was the artist trying to make some kind of a point or something? Maybe he was trying to hide it amidst stop motion and make it even more avant-garde. It wasn't until the fourth episode that things got bad for Lisa. I noticed that while the first three videos had come out one a day, the fourth video had taken almost a week to come out. This wouldn't have been strange for any other channel, but the total shift from episode three to episode four was alarming. The video was about five minutes long and seemed to entail Lisa going out on her own one night and getting lost. She'd gone out for a walk, despite being told not to by the father hand, and had gotten herself lost in a forest that had been drawn on white paper. The trees were the big swampy kind you often saw in kids' art assignments, and it was clear that Father Hand was no artist. He wasn't a consistent narrator either, because his voice and his tone seemed to get angrier the longer the episode went on. The condition of the puppet looked ghastly, and that only added to the surreal horror of the show. The Lisa puppet was clearly in bad shape, and halfway through the show, a piece fell off her and landed on the table. The narration ended abruptly as the music continued over the visual of the graying puppet just standing in place. The sound of someone stomping off was audible over the jangly discord, and the steps sounded heavy and angry. There was a brief moment with the sound of someone begging to be let go, but a cutaway just as the sound of screaming started. The video was edited badly, and an attempt had clearly been made to cut it out. When the show resumed, the Lisa puppet was complete again with what appeared to be a fresh hunk of meat attached. The piece that had fallen off, however, still lay on the table as though it was no more useful than a snakeskin now. Towards the end of the episode, the Lisa puppet bent over and seemed to weep as she was alone and scared in the forest. This weeping was overlaid by a soft and frantic weeping in the background. Though, I'm not sure we were meant to hear that part. All of a sudden, the father hand came and showed her the way home. It scolded her for running away and told her she must never do that again. Much like an actual father, the hand seemed relieved as well as angry, and Lisa went with him to the house meekly enough. When they returned, the Stephen Michael puppet did not seem happy to see her. They shunned her silently, and the episode ended with Lisa crying in the corner somewhere. Then the episode faded to black and the credits rolled. I hovered my mouse over episode 6. Not sure if I really wanted to watch it. Episode 4, called Thankless, made episode 5 make a lot more sense now. Father Hand was still likely punishing Lisa for running away, though the start of the episode made it very clear that she had just been going on a walk. The episodes were easy enough to follow, but something in them still made me uneasy. Why were these characters living under this fatherly hand character? Why did the narrator call them roommates if Father Hand treated some of them like children? The whole show just had an odd, surrealist nature to it. There seemed to be an underlying story that I just wasn't getting. I was invested, though, and had to see how it came out. Episode 6 was the strangest by far, and the comments on the video seemed to prove that I wasn't just going crazy, 
It was called Melancholy, and the episode started with the same weird dance music and shut of Lisa hunched up and crying. The crying, however, was not the canned sound it had been before. The episode was three and a half minutes of someone sobbing heartbreakingly. The kind of sobs that are equal parts hopelessness and terror. The camera seemed to be slowly panning in on the intricate face of the meat puppet as the sobs in the background went on and on. I'd seen some strange videos in my time, but this one definitely took the cake. The final shot was of the eye of the meat puppet, clearly defined and lovingly traced. You could see the meat beginning to mold, see the bright splotches that decorated the surface. And just before the screen faded to black, you could hear the elevated terror in the voice of the person sobbing before it was shut off by the end of the episode. I had to take a break after that one, reading the comments as I tried to make sense of what I'd just watched. The Meat Man's audience seemed to be a little divided on whether this was an artistic expression or something much darker. A user had said that the sobbing and screaming had been unique, and that he couldn't find them on any of the usual free use sites. Another user questioned whether they were too real or not, thinking this might be part of someone's torture fantasy. But others seemed to think it was just some avant-garde piece that was a little too pompous for its own good. What they did agree on was that even if it was acting, the screams were a little too real, and that all of them felt some sort of way about those cries of anguish. I'd hoped that maybe episode 7 would be a return to sanity, but episode 7, called Jealousy, was just as weird. The narrator was telling us that the Dawn character was adjusting very nicely to the house. All the tenants loved her, they all wanted to be her friend, and indeed the father Hand, Steve, and Michael were all standing around her and moving animatedly. Only one character, Lisa, didn't seem to want to be friends with Dawn. She seemed to be in another room, still hunkered up and crying. The narrator explained that Lisa was jealous of Dawn, and that Father was becoming cross with her attitude. The sobs from the previous episode were gone, but there were some other low noises barely discernible over the loud jangling music. The puppets seemed to be in much better condition as well, and I suppose they changed the meat on them recently. The father hand came and yelled at Lisa some more, but she just stayed hunkered up and crying. Finally, he left, and the episode ended as the camera zoomed in on the little meat woman, hunkered in her anguish. I looked at the next episode and wondered if I really wanted to see more. It felt like I'd been watching for hours, but it turned out that all seven episodes had taken less than 30 minutes. Something about watching the byplay between the characters it gripped me, and I felt that I needed to finish it. At the same time, there was something much darker here than I had expected. This was like someone's confession. The whole thing felt very intimate, and I felt almost voyeuristic for watching. I clicked the next episode, though, telling myself that another three episodes wouldn't do too much damage how wrong I was. Episode 8, called Hatred, opened with Lisa leaning against the paper wall as the others tried to get into her room. 
They started out nicely asking her to come out, wanting to talk and wanting to see her. The narrator told us that Lisa had been shirking her chores and saying unkind things to Father Hand about the other roommates. Father Hand had, of course, shared these things with the others, and now they wanted to talk with her. As their knocks became pounds, all three of them pulling up on the paper doors, they banged and kicked. Lisa put her hands to her ears and put her head between her knees. The narrator told us how Michael and Steve wanted to talk with her, and how Dawn was really upset that Lisa would judge her so hastily. As they pounded and banged on the paper door, Father Hand suddenly came into the scene. Lisa looked up from her knees, and seemed unsure of what to make of the sudden appearance of the fatherly phalange. Father Hand told her that she had brought discord to the house, and he could no longer ignore her insolence. The hand turned itself into a fist and began to beat the puppet savagely. Chunks of meat fell off and were squashed beneath the pounding. The wire body was twisted and warped and the whole scene was made all the more horrific by the overlaying carnival tune that scratched like razors across my brain. It ended as Steve and Michael knocked and the camera zoomed in on the sad pile of meat that Lisa had become. The episode ended abruptly and I saw a pale figure staring back at me from the suddenly dark screen. It took me half a second to realize the pale and sweating figure was me. Episode 9, Contrition, was next, and there was no question on whether I would watch it or not. I needed to know what came next. Episode 9 was as different from the others as night and day. It was a shaky cam of someone walking through a wood by night. A butter yellow light provided a small patch of illumination, and whoever was recording was breathing heavily as they trudged through the woods. The woods were preternaturally silent as they went, and the leaves crunching underfoot were loud and jarring. The video was four minutes long, and three and a half minutes were nothing but walking feet, crunching leaves, and heavy breathing. Then, abruptly, they stopped before a small round stone, the ground before it freshly turned up and put to rest sloppily. Sleep well, Lisa, came the phlegmy voice of the cameraman. Then it all went black again. I hit the tenth episode before I could think about it, wanting to see how it ended. Episode ten, ambivalence, seemed to be a return to normal. Dawn was sitting on the couch, seeming to laugh at something on a TV out of view. Michael and Steven seemed to be milling about, cleaning, or just chatting. The wall that had marked Lisa's room was nowhere to be seen. The father hand looked over them benevolently, as a narrator told us about Michael looking for a book he had misplaced, and Dawn watching her favorite show. All seemed well. All seemed normal other than the broken corpse of Lisa that lay on the floor. The damage that Father Hand had done still lay about the ground and the meat was brown and dry. Flies had begun to circle the meat body, and if one of the puppets had to go near her, they seemed to walk unheeding over her body. The only character who seemed to notice her was the Father Hand. He would look down at her from time to time, almost smugly, 
and shake his head before looking back at the other happy puppets. Episode 10 went dark, and I was yet again left wondering what I'd just seen. The video had managed to move into my head rent-free in less time than it would have taken to watch a movie. I'd moved on to other videos, other activities, but the images were never far from my mind. I'd been known to suggest strange videos to friends of mine, even linking them on Reddit to certain groups. This one, however, was not one of them. I was hesitant to talk about it, let alone tell people about it. I did not want others to suffer under this like I was, and that was probably why I was thinking about it when I saw the poster. I was traveling for work. I work as an expert witness for specific cases, and I do a lot of traveling and a lot of waiting, which often leads to the aforementioned boredom. I was driving through Michigan when the call of nature became too much to ignore. Luckily, there was a rest stop up ahead, and I was zipping up and heading out of the restroom when I saw the missing persons wall. My eyes found the woman before I could stop myself, and my breath caught in my throat as I came up short. The woman's name was Elizabeth Rainey, 23. She'd been missing for the last four months. The poster was new, unmarred by yellowing and creasing, and I pulled it easily from the bulletin board. Looking at her face, I realized how much work must have gone into each puppet. Her nose, her wide forehead, the small dimple in her chin, the dent in her left cheek from some childhood accident. They were all there, and they had all been lovingly added under the porous face of the meat puppet. I took the poster back to my car, my check-in time approaching quickly, and called a friend of mine who worked at my local police department. I told him about the girl, about the YouTube channel, about the videos. He said he'd look into it, and he said he'd look into it without much enthusiasm. When he called me later that day to thank me for the information, he sounded much more interested in what I had to say. I called him again a few weeks later and offered to buy him drinks if he'd sate my curiosity. He was willing, but said, I might not want to know as bad as I thought I did. Over drinks, he told me the whole sad story. My friend had a friend too. His friend was an agent with the FBI, and after watching the videos, my friend had told his friend. He sent him a link to the channel and asked him to take a look. After watching the drama himself, he tracked the IP and decided to see what he could find about this guy. Turned out that Elizabeth wasn't the only familiar face that had been missing in the Michigan area. Michael Chavez, Stephen Schott, and Don Lee were also missing from the same area. The IP was coming from an old house near Lake Huron. The owner, David Matthews, owned a house and quite a lot of acreage out there. When they had raided his house, they had caught David by surprise and found more than they bargained for. He'd been keeping them in his basement. The sick bastard had a large finished basement with four separate rooms. The central room held a couch, a TV, and a large kitchen table with a small set for the show and a camera. The puppets were on a shelf nearby. 
their bodies gray and sagging off their clothes hanger bodies. The other implement in the room was a large, rusty meat grinder. A meat grinder with strands of rotting meat hanging from the spout. He said the flies had been thick in the room, and the sounds of moans had not begun until they started kicking down doors. Don, Michael, and Steve were lying in their respective rooms. Most of them, anyway, he had said, taking a long pull from his beer. He sent me the photos of the crime scene. I wish to God he hadn't. David had been in the room that had likely once belonged to Elizabeth. He'd been wearing her dress, the fabric badly stretched around his frame, and was sobbing in the corner. No matter what the agent said to him, his response was always the same. His rocking made a strange grinding noise as his butt slid over the concrete. He said, I shouldn't have played God. I shouldn't have made her sleep. He just kept saying it again and again and again. The others didn't say much of anything, my friend had told me. He had scooped them to the bone cutting off fingers and noses and arms and legs so he could grind them up to make their puppets. He'd use tourniquets and animal tranquilizers to keep them alive. Michael and Steve were little more than torsos, Steve having half a leg and Michael little more than an elbow. Dawn was missing her legs, but her arms were thankfully intact. She'd only been in the basement for a month it seemed like he hadn't had as much time to take from her. They'd gotten all of them out of there, and David Matthews, the meat man, was now in custody. A real win for the good guys, my friend had said, his stare a thousand miles long. Now none of them will ever walk again. The men are in a catatonic state and the girl only gibberish. But at least we saved him before he could finish his sick play. They had yet to find Lisa's body, but he told me they hadn't given up yet. As I sit here, going over the facts, it all just runs through my head like a rat in a maze. Every moan, every sob. Was this sicko harvesting his victim so he could replace the flesh of his precious puppets? I was an unwilling participant in this, watching and encouraging this sick bastard to continue. I want to forget it, but I can't. I may never forget what I saw in that short hour of my life. I may never forget the terrible knowledge that the meat man has invested in me. And I may find my curiosity sated for quite some time. I think my days of roaming YouTube in my boredom may be at an end. For your bonus episode, Creepy Presents The Bridge Written by Keith LaFontaine And narrated by Jimmy Ferrer Y'all ain't never seen a covered bridge? Well... 
You ain't been up north much, have you? No. It's okay. I don't judge much. In my old age, I find it's tried to get upset about whether you've seen mountains or you've seen desert. I know some folks get mad about that sort of thing. Hell, my ma, old ma Wainwright, would run up one side of you and down the other if she heard y'all was a flatlander. But most folks don't use that word these days. Not less it's in jest. Even then, Vermont folks will welcome you in, long as you hold the door open for old Miss Bridgerton. She's 90. She's got them weak knees. Doc says the bones ain't what they used to be. Well, ain't that the truth for all of us, huh? Sorry. My mouth wanders some places my brain can't follow. Have a seat. Take a load off. You know, y'all remind me of someone. Someone I knew way back when. He was an adventurer type. Like to climb mountains and that sort of thing. Of course, here we only got Mount Philo. Camel's Hump if you're looking for a nice day trip. And Mount Mansfield if you want a little struggle. But it ain't nothing that'll really put you in danger. Now, if you want danger, you only gotta go to one of our covered bridges. You don't believe me? Well, that's fine. If you do. I'll tell you, there's a place up north in the mountains. Up in Stowe where people ski and drink hot chocolate and yammer about the socks. Where there's one of those types of covered bridges. You don't mind if I smoke, do you? Thank you. I tried to kick the habit back in old, must have been 1972 or 73. But you know what they say about old habits and all that. Old dogs, maybe. Again, my mouth's wandering off into those dark corners. My mind used to be sharp. Sharp as those zebra mussels out in the lake. Oh, yeah. They'll cut your foot right in half if you ain't careful. Buddy of mine, he went swimming with his granddaughter. He came out, and the thing had shorn a toe right down the middle. Blood was in the lake that day. Yes, sir. Blood in the lake. For sure. Christ, I love the feel of a good smoke. The way it climbs into your lungs. Ain't nothing better. Except maybe that first time. If you know what I mean. Anyway. Cover bridges. Well, what do you see when you look at the one over there? Sure. It's mighty pretty. The foliage is kicking in this time of year, and people like to come round and have a look at the leaves. Don't bother me much. Kicks a few dollars into the economy, lets Brad keep running his coffee shop, lets Brenda sell a few more books. But look closer. Look at the way the wood connects to each other. Look at the way that bridge seems to close in around the entrance. Like it's flexing. Yeah, now you see it. Well, this bridge up north, I won't stop you if you try to go. 
but you gotta know the truth about it. Most local folks won't tell you, or if they do, they'll grimace like they just sucked down a quart of lemon juice. It's a nasty place, that bridge, and a fortunate place, full of sadness and grief. But if you want to go, I won't stop you. Old Ma Wainwright used to say, you can tell a man how he'll lose an arm and a leg, but till he gets him chopped off, he won't believe you. Well, that's the truth about this here bridge. I forget the name, but it ain't too important. Just that it's up there in Stowe, and that it's mighty famous, or infamous, rather. One of those places you might catch on those ghost hunting TV shows. The ones that are about 2% reality and 98% some dude named Daryl pulling strings and adding fake scarab music. But this place, it's different. Real different. See, way back in 1884, something like that, maybe give or take a year, there was this young lady. She was supposed to meet a lover at that bridge there. And when he didn't show, the heartbreak was too much for her to bear. So she hung herself right then and there, with the rope creaking from the bridge's discolored rafters. Horrible story when I heard it the first time. I always hoped the bastard who stood her up got what came to him. Granted, nowadays people got all these fancy phones and apps, whatever the hell those are. And cutting someone off's about as commonplace as seeing the sun in the morning. But back then, it weren't no easy thing to cut someone off. Small communities and all that. Y'all was as likely to see a person at the butcher as you were to walk by him on your way to Sunday church. Shame can be something horrible to feel. Some pitted demon down deep in your gut. And that demon's what drove this young lady to hang herself from those rafters. Her name? Christ, my brain ain't as sharp as it used to. Lots of Rolling Stone lyrics and my Wainwright's recipes up here. Struggle with names. Always have. Worried it was Alzheimer's, but now I think of it as just plain old age. Emily! That's right, her name was Emily. Yes, yes, I'm getting to that. You gotta understand, things run slower up here, including stories. Well, it's been years and years, and years since Emily hung herself from those rafters. But ever since, there's been something there at that bridge. It's still standing to this day. And sure, the woods darken with the rain and snows, and sure... The bridge has got this rugged look it surely didn't have back in the day. But that seems appropriate, too. I mean, consider what happened at it. Something as dark and curious as that'll turn anything dark as sackcloth, as the good book says. Well, there's this lady up there, Miss Anderson. She helps educate the kids up in stone. The five and six year olds and she had to cross that bridge one night. It was a cold winter night. You'll get used to those the longer you live up here. 
and the stars were blazing up over here. Kind of perfect night you get used to here up north. But once she crossed that bridge, and her tires bumped against the wood, she said something appeared behind her. She felt this cold energy, this seeping molasses trickling down the back of her neck. And boom! Just like that, her car up and dies on her. Everything shuts down. The battery, the lights, the radio that was playing some old holy night. Whole nine. Just up and dies. And she just sits there in the dark about to get out. Maybe about to cry. And turn the damn thing over. When she hears this low scrape sound along the side of her car. She glances out her left window in her right and don't see nothing. Not even the river that's coursing underneath. She don't hear nothing either. And that's weird, because the river can get louder than a hungry toddler in a candy store, you know? But again, she hears a sound, this scrape. And that trickling feeling on her neck gets worse and colder. So she glances in her rearview mirror. She peers through it. She sees a woman in a fancy type dress, only it's torn and ragged. It's got some dirt in the creases. And there's this pale hand just scraping along her car. Nails are long and hooked, and there's blood in them. She can tell. Blood from all the scratching Emily did at her neck. When that final desire for life kicked in, she realized the finality of her choice. Yeah, you best believe there's blood in them nails. And now those nails scrape further along the car, and the resulting noise is so grating and terrible. All poor Miss Anderson could do was plug her ears with her palms and wait for it to end. Oh, that's too simple a story for you? Yeah, sure. If that was the only story, I'd be just as skeptical as you. But it ain't the only story. And that's the thing. Miss Anderson's good soul. She got her head on straight. Don't fall for none of those email scams or nothing. But if she was the only one that had the experience, I'd furrow my eyebrow just as you do now. But then there was a matter of the young boys. Mike, Evan, and Andy Young were the three boys of Mr. Langston Young. He was an old businessman type. Had a factory back in, oh, gotta be 85 or 86. Yeah, yeah, me yammering again, but it's important. He worked so hard and long at that factory that he didn't have time to focus on his boys. So his boys got up to all sorts of trouble. Mainly petty crime. They'd run up in downtown, spraying graffiti on the sides of the old general store. Or they'd bike to the highway, throw rocks at people's cars. Stuff any kid does when he's unsupervised. 
for stuff that causes real damage. Well, it got it in their head that they'd go to Emily's bridge at midnight. At the same time, Miss Anderson got stuck there, and they were going to taunt Emily. Not such a great plan. There's a reason Andy Young moved down to Weatherton, Arkansas, about as far away as he could get without venturing out west. Well, they show up right on time. So Andy tells it, and they immediately start causing havoc. They brought their little league bats, wooden ones, and they started beating on the bridge. While Mike takes out his spray paint and defaces the rafters where Emily wrapped that rope around. At first, nothing much happened. They laughed and chided Andy for believing in Emily, because he was the youngest and most impressionable. Just as they were about to leave, and after they left some vicious chips in the wood and the rafters with dripping blue paint, Evan started coughing. He weren't older than maybe 12 or 13, so sickness was about as rare to him as hair on his chin, you know? But he coughs and he coughs and he coughs. And suddenly this brilliant scarlet line appears across his throat. He coughs up blood and blood spills down his front. And then his head jerks around so that he's looking at the opposite side of the bridge. He coughs up blood, and the blood spills down his front, and then his head jerks around so that he's looking at the opposite side of the bridge. And the crack that resounds on that bridge is so horrendous, and he feels his body go numb, and bile climb up his lungs. But Emily ain't done yet. No, sirree. Evan falls to the ground, dead as a goddamn doornail. His blood spilling out all onto the wood. His face mashed into the boards while his chest was pointing at the ceiling. Mike grabs the bat, thinking he's gonna fight the thing. But he goes floating in the air and his hair yanked upward. As if someone got their hair around it pulling him like they pull a baby cat by its neck. He flails and swings the bat, but he's helpless. And Andy watches with his hand wrapped around his mouth. While he's hanging in midair suspended, vicious tearing sound ensues, and his shirt and pants are split right down the middle, bearing it all. Split second later, that sound comes again. Only this time, it's his skin that's split. And everything keeping Michael alive comes spilling out of him like he's a hog at a slaughterhouse. Oh, it's all steaming and cherry red color. And Andy can make out the shape of different organs as they splat, splat, splat next to Evan's corpse. On to Evan's corpse. And it turned and sprinted right then. He didn't stop sprinting till he got to the Sheriff Consley's office. Sheriff Consley was a good man, a logical man. But even he was left confused and wondering when he returned to that bridge three hours later 
with his deputy to find Mike and Evan's steaming guts and bloody corses. And you know what he says he's seen? You know what is standing over him? A woman in a frilly dress with dirt in the folds and blood under her fingernails. Her neck's all crooked and the bones poke out against the skin like broken guitar strings. Sheriff Consley swore till he died in 94 of a heart attack that he saw Emily that night. Eyes blazing with fury, blood dripping from her nails, neck broken and twisted. He didn't step foot on that bridge till morning. And even then, when he brought a whole crew with him. When they cleaned that bridge, they did so at high noon. And whenever there was any wisp of cold air, they took an hour-long break. Funny thing is, I think Emily approved of them cleaning her bridge. I can see it in your eyes that you don't believe me. That's fine, I guess. Nobody really does. It's the kind of story you tell kids around the campfire. Get them all smooked and then you come around their tent after they've started snoring and you scare them good by banging on the ground and flapping the tent flap and whispering in a creepy nasally tone. But you see a campground around her? Nah. And I'm too old to be telling ghost stories for the sake of scaring folks. I'm gonna break Ma Wainwright's rule, and I'm gonna warn you here and now. Don't go up there. Emily don't like it. And we don't like cleaning up her messes if you get my drift. Ah, it's getting late. I gotta get these old bones over to Sandy's Dilly. She makes the best BLTs in New England, I swear. I sampled them from all over, best believe. Hell, I recommend you go there and get some dinner, too. Hey, look at me. Don't go to that branch. Hope you believe me. Nasty way to go. For more information on this podcast, including how to submit your own story for consideration, please visit creepypod.com. You can also follow us at creepypod on social media and YouTube. All stories told on this podcast are done so through Creative Commons Sharealike licensing or with written consent from the authors. No portion of this podcast may be rebroadcast or otherwise distributed without the express written consent of the Creepy Podcast production team and the story's author. Item number SCP-5186. SCP-7160. SCP-7533. Object class. Euclid. Keter. Safe. Special containment procedures. <laughs> Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust. <laughs> the only thing I could hear was 7219 <laughs> laughing. Do you remember your name? Counseling. Appointment update. 
I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.